We are Rogue Media Sports. Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Amy Trask has been labeled the Princess of Darkness, and she embraces the title. Long working with Al Davis, more than 30 years or just about 30 years with the Raiders organization. She's somebody who I've always looked up to. Somebody who broke the glass ceiling before it was even installed. Her book, You Negotiate Like a Girl, Reflections on a Career in NFL Football, runs the gamut from introducing Al Davis to Darth Vader to Paul Tagliabu telling her to sit down in uh, NFL owners meetings. And we got the chance to talk to her and it was amazing. I I got some interesting information out of her. She told a great story and gave great insight on Barrett Robbins and how he disappeared before the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers in 2002. And she's just somebody who I appreciate uh, her existence because I love what she's done for the game of football. And uh, here she is without further ado, Amy Trask. When uh, you first came on my radar, I was a kid. I was at a, I went to Richmond and I was working for this company called SFX Sports, and we had, we recruited athletes to get drafted. And there was also a scouting service arm to it, and uh, it was called the War Room Football Scouts. Now it's Football Scouts, and it's with ESPN. But this guy Gary Horton uh, ran the War Room, and I remember we were talking about Gary was uh, in the front office with the Browns and the Buccaneers, and we were talking about front offices. Uh, in the NFL. And he told me, he's like, yeah, Al Davis's right-hand man or woman is is Amy Trask. She's a female. And I remember, like, my, my, it was 1999. My mind was blown. And that was the first time I'd always loved and respected Al Davis. And at that moment, he just got cooler. Uh, and, and I just thought it was such an interesting thing that a guy like that would be leaning on a woman. You were there for 30 years with the Raiders. Almost, almost. Um, And thank you for sharing that story with me. Uh, You were gracious enough to allow me to participate without you being able to see me right now. (laughs) If you could see me, um, I'm covered in goosebumps. Thank you for sharing that. And you hit the nail on the head as to Al. And what I often share with people, because there will be those who are listening to this who love the Raiders, those who hate the Raiders, those who loved Al, those who couldn't stand Al. But if we're all being intellectually honest, whether you liked the Raiders or not, whether you loved Al or not, he did what we hope everyone would do, which is hire without regard to race or gender or ethnicity or any other differentiation, any other 
um, characteristic or trait that has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on whether one can do a job. I guess the way I would phrase it um, a bit more accurately is any individuality which has no bearing whatsoever on whether one can do a job. And he was doing this decades and decades and decades before this was even a topic of discussion. When you said that you were, a, when you identified when it was you started your career, I thought, uh-oh, is this your way of telling me I'm really old? <laughs> um, but the fact is, and the reason I note that is Al was doing this decades and decades and decades ago. What with you, Tom Flores, right? Art Shell. Uh, yep. And, and this was stuff that, you know, look, I think it's the it's it's obviously the right thing to do is to hire in regard to not taking into consideration gender, race, individuality. But it wasn't like it is today back then. And he did like most things, I would assume he just didn't care what other people thought. Well, you're right. And you're right. It was not a topic back then, let alone something that happened with any sort of regularity in any industry back then. When I first joined the Raiders, well, I joined in the sort of early part of the mid-80s, so before the mid-80s, but not right in the early, at the start, um, as an intern. And I was an intern for a couple years. And then I started my full-time career with the Raiders, or I started on a full-time basis in the mid-80s. Yeah. When I walked into my first league owners meeting, I was the only woman in the room. It was very different back there. There's terrific women in the room now. Um, women were added to the room over the course of the almost 30 years I spent with the league. But that first meeting, I was the only woman in the room, and he didn't care what anyone thought. And that brings me to, to the makeup of, of Amy Trask. How do you comport yourself in a room with all men? And we're not talking about you just walked into 7-Eleven and there's 30 guys <laughs> and you're the only woman. These are multimillionaires at the time, right? And these are alpha males. How do you operate in a room with guys like that? Uh, well, I always note before I answer any sort of question like this, uh, that the best advice I ever received in my life was from my mom, who told me as a very little girl, to thine own self be true. And she told me that over and over and over as moms can do. And as kids can do, I rolled my eyes every time she did. And as a side note, it wasn't until I was in college that I learned that that was a Shakespearean quote, that my mom didn't invent that. But it is the best advice I've ever received. And the reason I note that is I will share with you how I comported myself and how I, you know, address situations like that. But I recognize that that's not going to be the right answer for everyone. Each and every person has to comport himself, herself in the manner true to himself or herself. My answer is I didn't care. I didn't care what anyone thought. Al hired me. I was there with Al. It didn't matter to me what anyone else thought, whether they thought I should be in the room or not in the room. It never made any sense to me. It still doesn't. For me to spend any time thinking about my gender when I was in any given situation, if my hope and my expectation was that no one else would think about my gender. If I wanted to walk into a meeting, whether a business meeting, an NFL meeting, a, a meeting of municipal leaders or bankers or Raider ownership or league ownership or a locker room meeting, any sort of meeting, 
And I didn't think anyone should be thinking about my gender if I didn't want them thinking about it. I didn't think it made sense for me to think about it. And by the way, if other people wanted to waste their time thinking about it, go ahead, waste your time. I'm not wasting mine. How about the, the situation, you write about this in your book, I've heard you talk about it, when, when the league, or, or I guess, yeah, the league is suing the Raiders at the time. And uh, this, you know, you guys were in and out of court for, for Al wanted to be a renegade and he, he wanted to do things his way and there was a vision there. And you're at a meeting and you're going, I guess you're going back and forth with Carmen Policy and, and the commissioner at the time tells you to have a seat and you don't sit down. Well, first of all, anyone who knows me knows that telling me to do something, telling me not to do something, that's a better way to phrase it. Telling me not to do something is just going to compel me to do it. You tell me not to talk, I'm talking. You tell me to sit down, I'm not sitting down. And that, that's my personality. But it also wasn't the right thing to do at the time. But before I answer that, I want to let you know how much I appreciate. I could jump through this connection and hug you for noting accurately that it was the league that sued the Raiders <laughs> because I am such a child that for the rest of my born days anytime someone references that litigation I immediately sound like you know a five-year-old saying mom they started it they started it we were the defendant and no not a lot of people recognize that so thank you very much because now I don't have to say mom they started it um <laughs> I remember well the moment you're talking about. Carmen got up and he said some things. They weren't personal as to me. They they weren't directed at me, but they were directed at the organization for which I worked. They were directed at the Raiders. They were directed at Al. He was not at the meeting. It was a one-per-club meeting, and I was there representing the Raiders. He chose not to go. and Or if it was a two-per-club meeting, maybe someone else was there, um, but Al was not. And Carmen spoke, and then I stood up. And the way things worked in league meetings is when you wanted to speak, you stood up and you walked up to a microphone. So as Carmen appeared to be finishing, I stood up and I walked to a microphone and I started addressing his comments. And Tagliabu said, you know, we've taken enough time on this. Please sit down. Well, I wasn't done. So I didn't sit down. I said, I'm not through making my comments. I won't take a long time. And I just refused to sit down. And the whole room was dead silent. And he was staring at me and I wouldn't sit down. And he finally said, okay, just finish quickly. So I made my point and then I sat down. I never thought that was a big deal. It never struck me that that was something that others would think was a big deal. He told me to sit down. I wasn't done talking. I wasn't going to sit down until I was. So I finished. But apparently it caused quite the little ripple in the room. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. 
That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What kind of ripple? Uh, people, one team owner came up to me on the way out the door, because right after we were sort of done with that segment of the meeting, we went to take a break. And he said, you popped my buttons. And he said it in a way that suggested that was a good thing, although I'd never heard that expression before. Um, a number of people contacted Al and said, she didn't sit down. You should have seen her. She didn't sit down. And I don't know whether they were saying that to him in a manner like, wow, you know, that girl didn't sit down. Or whether they were saying, you know, Al, really, you need to get a grip on her. You need to you know, tell her to sit when she's told to sit. I don't know in what context. But he could not have been more proud that I maintained my position and didn't sit down. He he was a guy that one of the reasons I was was uh, such a fan. He just stood for stuff, and 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 I got the idea that when he stood for something, it was pretty hard to move him off that position. How do you, Amy Trask, win an argument with Al Davis? He was you were always somebody who had his ear, who who heard him out, or he heard out, he heard you out. I love that question for so many reasons, because you're absolutely right. He had the courage of his convictions, and he was willing to stand for that which he believed. A very quick anecdote in that regard before I answer your question uh, was back before, you know, many, many, many decades ago, decades before I joined the team, uh, there were two instances in which one was a Raider game and one was an all-star game that he was involved with. And the games were scheduled for the part of the country where segregation still was the case. And he refused to play the games and he got the games moved. And he did it just because that's the man he was. He didn't do it for attention. He did it because he was not going to play in a segregated environment. And my, my favorite story is in one instance, the person arranging the game called him and said, uh, okay, you know, the arrangements are made. We've got two hotels for you. And he said, you know, I don't need hotels. We don't need two hotels. We don't have that many people in our traveling party. And the person said, no, 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 We have two hotels for you. And he said again, getting impatient, look, I told you, we don't need two hotels. And the person then sort of 
mumbled and stumbled that the black players and the white players could not stay in the same hotel. And Al said, oh, oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. And the person sort of breathed a sigh of relief and said, oh, okay, you understand. He said, yeah, I understand. We're not playing. And click, hung up the phone and got the game moved. And I share that because this is a man who stood up for what he believed. Um, The biggest misconception about him, to address your question, is that one couldn't argue with him. The biggest misconception was that he wouldn't tolerate argument, he wouldn't tolerate disagreement, and he wouldn't tolerate those who disagreed with him. If that was the case, I would have been fired roughly two weeks into my job. And over the course of those almost 30 years, I disagreed with him more than I agreed with him. And we had loud, because we both had loud voices, um, (laughs) robust arguments, and we disagreed a lot. And I did all I could do um, to change his mind. And in the instances in which I didn't, which were many, I recognized at the end of the day, he owned the business. I did not. And so ultimately, the decision was his, and it was my job to effectuate that decision as best I could. But it was also my job, in my view, to disagree with him when I disagreed. Where did you get the backbone or the gumption? Where Where did that come from? I'm, I am by nature a people pleaser. I've never loved confrontation. <laughs> I've never loved confrontation. But some people thrive in it, and it's very effective. How did you develop that? I would call it a skill. Well, I don't think I thrive in confrontation. Um, and I think the word that my entire family and everyone which has, who has known me for my life would use wouldn't be gumption. It would be behavior problem. <laughs> That's what I was labeled in, in kindergarten. My kindergarten teacher told my mom I was a behavior problem. That label stuck with me every year of, of elementary school and junior high and pretty much most of high school. I think until the end of high school, a lot of people would tell you that it's still the appropriate way to describe me. Um what one might have considered a behavior problem, I simply considered questioning when questioning was correct. And even if that occurred in kindergarten, if someone told me to do something, if I didn't think it made sense, if I didn't agree with it, I didn't do it. Kind of thinking on your own. Not enough people do that still today. I I can't say it wasn't a challenge for my family being told I was a behavior problem in kindergarten, but I can say that's probably something that attracted Al to me from a hiring standpoint and as he advanced me I, I I think our personalities meshed well in that regard. A couple more things for you. The Raiders were known as outlaws and it was kind of like hey you come to play uh, it really doesn't matter what you do off the field. How, how true was that? The, the Oh, I, I'm sorry finish your question. No, I'm how, so you, excited by your question. I jumped on your words so please No, go, go ahead. I, my, my, I always go back and this is before you were at the team. I remember but this carried on, I mean, throughout Al's legacy and, and, and with the Raiders. The, the Eagles go to New Orleans, and they don't leave their hotel room for Super Bowl 15. <laughs> you know, and the Raiders notoriously are, like, all over New Orleans. There's a million stories about those guys, Matuzak and, you know, you, you name it, Ted Hendricks. It, was that real, and was that part of the Raider image? Not only was it real – It's what attracted me to the Raiders as a franchise. It's why I became a fan. It's one of the two reasons I became a fan. I fell in love with the game of football in eighth grade. 
but I didn't have a particular team for which I rooted. I was a fan of the game. I watched the NFL. Seventh grade, I'm sorry, I said eighth. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) When I started junior high, seventh grade is when I fell in love with the game of football. I don't know where the heck eighth came from. Uh, And then I went away to college. I went to Cal Berkeley. And the Raiders at the time were in Oakland. It's before Al moved the team. And I fell in love with the Raiders. That became my team for a couple of reasons. One of the two reasons was the one you just identified. You'd turn on games, watch them on TV, and you would see video footage of the visiting team getting out of the bus at the stadium in which they were going to play. And the players got out of the bus and they were wearing sports coat and carrying what looked to be briefcases. And then you'd watch the Raiders and the team bus would roll up, the door would open, and men just spilled out. They tumbled out. They were wearing what clearly looked like the, what they were wearing the night before. <laughs> they weren't wearing sports coats. They weren't wearing ties. They tumbled out of the bus looking like, well, that expression, what the cat dragged in. And th- so one of the reasons I fell in love with the team was what you just described as to the New Orleans situation. Other teams locked in their hotel room, pulling up to the game in sports coats, and the Raiders just tumbling out and playing. And that was Al's view. And that gets to the larger reason why I fell in love with the team. This was a team who gave people second chances and third chances, in some instances more than that. This was a team who gave chances to players other teams would not. This was a team owner who believed you show up, you contribute, you participate, you make us better. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what your reputation is. Um, You want to tumble out of the bus looking like something the cat dragged in. That's fine. I don't care about your race. I don't care about your beliefs. I don't care about your religion. You're going to contribute. Yeah. And, and it's one of me, you know, part of my story, a big part of my story is I'm 11 years sober, right? So I've gotten many second chances. And, uh, you know, by the way, the coin we have in the group I'm in, the 12-step group, it says, all it says on it, the only words are, to thine own self be true. Oh, uh, And wow. that is, yeah, it's, it's, so that's a huge part of my life. But the second chances are major. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're on the complete right side of the law or you're a total outlaw, or you're somewhere in the middle. It always seemed like you had a place uh, in, with the Raiders if, if you got and, the job done. And there were a couple of things he wouldn't tolerate. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But I will tell you one of the things that resonated with me about him giving second chances was I was that kid who was labeled the behavior problem in kindergarten. And that label did stick with me throughout high school. And as I noted, it probably is still an appropriate label. So there were times teachers and principals called my parents in umpteen times, you know, what, you know, she's going to be suspended. You better be careful or we're going to expel her. So I got second chances in the school situation, but that second chances resonated with me. Now that said, there were some things Al wouldn't tolerate. He would not sign someone who engaged in domestic violence or certain other crimes. So yes, he gave people second chances for the sorts of things we're discussing that you identified, that I identified, but he too had his line, but it involved criminal behavior. Wow. That, that is interesting. I did not know that. All right. How about 2004? You have a sponsorship, uh, I guess, with, with Star Wars and, 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 <laughs> and, and Darth Vader. And it's one of the 
every May fourth, I get to see following Amy Trask on on Twitter. I get to see the Darth Vader or, or, or read the Darth Vader story, and I see the picture. Take folks behind that curtain. It's it's one of my favorites. And it is the stone cold truth. I have not um, added to it for purposes of social media. There's no hyperbole. This is precisely what happened. And of course, as you know, to share this with you on your show, I'm going to have to swear. So here it comes. And it's a quote. Uh, We did. We did a promotion with Lucasfilms and Star Wars. And at the game, um, Darth Vader came fully um, in costume and and the fully Darth Vader, fully Darth Vader. And um, and the the guys in white, I think they're called stormtroopers. Yes. Um, But they were all lining the field. And at one point before um, the game begins, it's warm ups. Al was always on the sideline for as long as his health allowed him to be pregame, watching warmups, talking to coaches, talking to players. And someone with Lucasfilms approached me and said, you know, we'd love to get an opportunity for Al to greet Darth Vader. We'd love to take a photo. Um, I said, well, first of all, it's not going to be a photo op because I ain't going to be able to get him to pose. But, you know, <laughs> I, I heard what the what the sponsor was saying, and it was an important sponsorship to us and a fun sponsorship. You know, it's not something teams did at the time. And the person in charge of the sponsorship for Lucasfilms said, you know, could you get Al to greet Darth? So and you're I the CEO. walked up to Al on I'm sorry. And you're the CEO. So this is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I walked up to, I thought you were asking if Darth was the CEO and I'm like, yeah, I guess Darth was the CEO of what he did. (laughs) So I walked up to Al on the sideline and I said, I need you to greet Darth Vader. I didn't ask him. I didn't say, will you? I just said, I need you to greet Darth Vader. And he gives me this look. I can picture it just right now in my mind and in my heart. He just gives me this look. Like, you know, you're interrupting me while I'm watching warm-ups. You're, you know, and he says, the only words he says to me are, who the fuck is Darth Vader? But you know what? He walked with me over to Darth, who was a few yards behind him on the sideline, greeted Darth, shook Darth's hand, and he walked back to watch warm-ups. And the picture, by the way, is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable picture. And I love when fans and, and, and my Twitter village, as I refer to it, has responded to me, I bet Darth was frightened of Al, or who in this picture looks scarier, Darth or Al? And, you know, obviously the answer is Al. And it's funny because the Raiders were kind of synonymous with Darth Vader, and, you know, they, they call the place in Vegas now the Death Star, because it was always, they were just both badass, you know? Right, but who the fuck is Darth Vader were the only words he said. But he did it. He knew it was important or I wouldn't have been asking. Unbelievable. Last thing, not many people talk about this, and I'm just curious to get whatever you can share with on this topic. Because we talked about um, Super Bowls or the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 15. What was it like on the ground floor when Barrett Robbins disappeared in 2002, 2003? You know, you're one of the only people that's ever asked me that. So you are one of the only people, and I believe, possibly, the only person with whom I've shared this publicly. Um, That morning I went for a run. Yeah, I may have shared this with one or two other people. I just don't think I have, and I certainly haven't shared it widely. That morning I went for a run before, you know, I'm an early, early bird, as we discussed, and I went for a run. And as I was coming back into the hotel, I saw Barrett in the lobby. So, yes, he had been missing for a period of time, but it's early, 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 the morning of the Super Bowl, well earlier than the team wake-up call. And he's in the lobby, and we exchanged hellos, 
seemed absolutely fine to me. Went back up to my room and Al calls and he said, um, Bruce and Bill don't want Al, you know, aren't going to let Barrett play. Uh, Bruce being Bruce Allen, Bill being Bill Callahan, the head coach at the time. Bruce was the GM at the time. He said, um, he spoke to Bruce and Allen and uh, Bruce and he spoke to Bruce and Bruce and Bill had decided to send Barrett back to Oakland that he was not going to be able to play. At the, the time when you saw him, you were like, oh, there he is. But it's not your job to be like, hey, Barrett, where you been? No, but we I, I'm like, Barrett, are you OK? Barrett, okay. Barrett. Um, I thought what was most important because where I ran into him, he was getting into the elevator, getting I thought what was most important to get him up to his room. OK. And I also didn't think that was the time for the discussion. Uh, there would be a time for it. That moment was, was in my view, not the right time. But Al called and said, Bruce, who I mentioned with the GM at the time, and, and Bill, the head coach, had decided not to let Barrett play in the game. And I said, I just saw him. He's fine. Um, and he, Al told me they didn't think he was up. They didn't think he should play in the game. They didn't want him in the game. And I said, he's fine. I, I was just with him. I was just having a conversation. He can play. And Al explained to me that he left the decision up to the two of them, and the two of them had decided that he shouldn't play. And I got off the phone, and I looked at my husband, and I said, we just lost this game. And you did lose that game. And that's an amazing that story. Was, and how big yeah. of an impact did that have on the field? This is your center. Huge, huge. And not only was it our center, um, the Super Bowl was the first game all season we played in which the same five starting offensive linemen didn't play. That's extremely rare, as you know, due to injury. Um, but that season, all five offensive linemen started every game. So that game, the Super Bowl, would be the only disruption in that continuity. And I knew the impact it would have, not only because of the skill Barrett brought to the game, but because of the trust that the quarterback had in Barrett, um, the confidence that Barrett gave the quarterback and the rest of the line. Do you think he was, he could have played? Absolutely. Wow. Um, was what he did that week um, right? No, it wasn't. But there were medical issues for what he did. Um, I thought he needed our support. I thought he needed um, us to be helping him, not casting him aside. And I also, you know, when a team, and this is beyond the Raiders, when a team makes a decision to discipline a player and not to play that player, there needs to be a recognition that you're disciplining that player, but in your effort to do so, you're hurting every other player, you're hurting every other member of the organization, or you can be. I shouldn't say that's the case in every instance. Certainly in our instance, the decision to discipline Barrett by sending him home dramatically Im impacted every single person in the organization and every single fan. Well, and you think of the magnitude of a Super Bowl forever. Forever. Oh, Amy Trask, I can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, I, well, I, I, I appreciate you so much. I will um, thank you for the opportunity to join you. This was one of the most fabulous conversations I've ever heard. You asked magnificent questions, um, thought-provoking, intriguing, and you asked me things no one else ever has. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate the compliment. Thanks for having me. All right, you got it. Thanks so much. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.
We are Rogue Media Sports.